This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Slim, and you're listening to ICYMI. In case you missed it, Slate's podcast about internet culture and fear not listeners. Rachel has communicated with me. She sent me a little email. Let's read it together. Okay, so she wrote, Hey, girly poo. I decided to jump on the nine-month world cruise and I'm having a blast. Small thing. We were disembarking in Fiji when I took a nap on the beach and got left behind. Then a producer came up to me and asked if I'd like to stay, so I am now competing on Deal or No Deal Island. We'll let you know if I win a million dollars or if I run away with Joe Manganello. So while Rachel is collecting briefcases, and by the way, she will be back very, very soon, I am so excited for today's episode. In March of 2023, Julian Sewell was a high school teacher in New Zealand when he posted a TikTok that went viral. It was him impersonating that moment at the Oscars when a category is being called out. And as they run through the clips and the names, each nominee sits there with like a like a smirky grin or an excited wave. And Julian impersonated made up nominees, one of whom has become a superstar in her own right named Paloma Diamond. Now. The lore of Paloma Diamond is that she has been nominated for 19 Oscars and hasn't won yet. But Julian tells me that when she wins, it'll be an Oscar clip for the ages. So on today's show, I am talking to Julian Sewell, whose TikTok account has more than 38 million likes and is filled with amazing parodies of reality shows, Hollywood roundtables, and several heads of state. I'll be joined by Julian after the break. Hey there. If you love our podcast, then maybe you should consider subscribing to Slate Plus. With Slate Plus, there are no ads on any Slate podcasts. And Slate Plus helps keep this podcast going because this show would not be possible without your support. With Slate Plus, you'll get bonus segments and episodes for shows like Dear Prudence, Slow Burn, and Political Gab Fest. You'll also never hit a paywall on the Slate website, meaning you get access to every article and every advice column. Just visit slate.com slash ICYMI plus to sign up. That's slate.com slash ICYMI plus. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. 
we were on this mission together and we were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. And we are back. Joining me today is someone who has been snubbed for multiple Oscars, but nonetheless, they persevere. I am talking to the creator of Paloma Diamond, Julian Sewell. Hello, Julian. Hello. How are you? I'm so jazzed. I'm so excited. (laughs) Julian, before we dive in, this is your first time on the show. And so I have to ask you the question we ask all first time guests, which is, what is your first internet memory? Oh, my God goodness, what is my first internet memory? Oh, do you know what it is? MSN Messenger? You know the, that sound? Yeah. So that's like way back in like, I think 2005, 2006, when I like started going on the computer regularly, I would like chat to my elementary school friends (laughs) and be like, hey, what's going on? And yeah, you know, just like, just like any other 10 year old in 2006. Yeah. So Julian- You actually have a very interesting backstory, which is that you grew up in Hong Kong, but you are now living in New Zealand, and you are also a high school teacher. On top of all of that, you are one of New Zealand's most popular TikTokers. And so talk to me about the first time you posted to TikTok. Like, when was it? What was it? What inspired you to post? I started using TikTok much like how everyone else started, which was during the pandemic, because I think we were all at home, we were bored, we had nothing else to do. And it was me and my sister at the time. Um, and she was, we were living together, actually. And I was like, Oh, have you heard about this like new app called TikTok? It's, um, it's like, you know, you post short videos. Is it like Vine? It's a little bit like Vine meets Dub Smash, you know, like, and so we did lip syncy videos. And um, I remember like, we did like one video, that just kind of like, I think it got 13,000 views, which is which is not much in comparison to like now or whatever. But right. like for me, like having zero followers and at like 13,000, I was like 13,000. That's <laughs> so much. Oh my goodness. And then I just started doing it just as a hobby. I love doing things with my voice. Like I love doing mm-hmm. different accents and imitations and impersonations. And it wasn't actually until I started using my voice did the, the following really take off. Your... TikTok account at Julian Sewell is amazing. You do so much character work because, you know, along with Paloma, you do these great America's Next Top Model parodies. Will Rebecca and Dominique please step forward? I only have one photo in my hands. You did parodies of Queen Elizabeth II. Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling is considered by many to be richer than me. You did Troy Bolton. Living in my own world. Didn't understand. Can I ask about your media or internet diet growing up? Like, what were you watching and loving? And by any chance, did any of these imprint on you and maybe inform, like, your talent for impressions? Um, I think I've just always had, like, a really good ear. People call me a parrot. Because I can pick things up. So it isn't really about the voice. It's more about the um, the ear and the sound. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I've always been really interested in pop culture and celebrity culture and Hollywood culture and reality TV. I mean, I grew up with all of that. So I, that definitely 
uh, fed into, you know, what I post online. So I think it is time to talk about Paloma Diamond, who we as a team at ICYMI, we love, we are such big fans of. And so in March of 2023, like the week of the Oscars, you posted this amazing TikTok called Every Best Actress Award Intro. And the nominees for Best Actress in a Motion Picture are Paloma Diamond, The Remedy. I can't fix this. That's what I'm talking about. Do you think I want the kids to go through this? I don't! Lorelai Lynch, The Last Train Home. They came from the edge of the water. They told me where they were hiding. It was a dark room. Jane Faraway. Matchstick Playground. You thought I didn't know about this? Sweetie, I've known about it longer than you've been alive. (laughs) Justina Sorgan. Awake, alone, and aware on the streets of Topeka, Kansas. Only the VIPs come up here. Are you a VIP? You sure look like one. Taylor Witherfork, hail. Oh my God, please, please God, get away from me, get away. I didn't deserve this. And it is very accurate. I gotta say, it is you as a nominee named Paloma Diamond just giving us the smug look of like, oh girlies, I am taking this one. And you also play other nominees like Loria Lynch, Jane Faraway, Justina Sorgan, my favorite, and Taylor Witherfork. And this just goes bonkers. It gets so many views. Can I just first ask about what inspired you to make this TikTok? So it was a Friday night. And Mm. my sister and I were just kind of bored looking for something to do. Um, She was in town. She was staying over for the weekend. And I told her about this idea that I had, um, which was to, I I, I love, it's a very niche moment um, of whenever they call out the nominees as they're about Mm -hmm. to give the award, there's always like a slow zoom in to their reaction. And I was like, I I would love to do like a little parody of that. So we did the video. And she's like, when are you going to post it? And I was like, I don't know. And she's like, when is the Oscars? And I looked it up and I was like, oh my God, it's this weekend. We have to post this now, like right now. Mm -hmm. So I posted it up and I woke up the next day and it had like 3 million views. Um, And it really, really blew up. It really kind of hit off. And I just remember everyone kind of commenting, going like, wait, but who won? Because we didn't even feature the winner because I didn't even think that, like, I, I didn't even think about it. They were like, but who's the winner? They, I didn't realize that people got really invested. So I did a, like, you know, a follow-up video a week later of, of the actual winner. And the Oscar goes to... Lorelai Lynch, the last train home. And I think... It's really interesting that Paloma has kind of evolved to be this protagonist of the series. 
because she really didn't start out like that. She started out very smug. Like if you think about it, she gives that look of like little smug look, like she knows she's going to win this. Mm -hmm. So she started off as the villain in a way. So it's kind of (laughs) weird that like, that it just, that name, I think maybe it was because of the name Paloma Diamond. It's very like Neil Diamond. It's a star. It's like a very star quality kind of name. And the fact that she has a gray bob, which means, you know, I think people associated her with the likes of Glenn Close or yes. Meryl Streep or in kind of a, a more seasoned, esteemed actress. The kind of, you know, Paloma's been waiting for this. There was an element of Glenn Close to that, I think. And that's what I think, you know, why she became you know, where's Paloma Diamond? I want to see more Paloma Diamond. Paloma Diamond should have won this, blah, 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 blah. And then she became this protagonist. I'm so glad you brought up the Glenn Close thing because I kind of also sensed that. I did want to ask, are any other of these actresses based on or inspired by real life actresses? Because I'm not going to lie, Jane Faraway, she sometimes gives me Amy Adams a little bit. Yeah, I've gotten that a lot. I mean, particularly with these new set of actresses, you know, I think we all know that Sasha Alexander is like, you know, a young ingenue. She's like a Florence Pugh or like Emma Stone or Jennifer Lawrence when they were first nominated for an actress, you know, that very kind of young entry into that kind of Hollywood scene, you know, and they were kind of fresh and mm-hmm. definitely with Paloma, actually, it wasn't until when my American friend was like, so Paloma's been nominated 18 times and she's never won. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. She's been nominated 18 times. So it's like Glenn Close, but like times a million, you know, like she's just been waiting and waiting and waiting. You know, my American friend was like, oh my God, so she's Susan Lucci. And I was like, who's Susan Lucci? <gasps> oh my God. Um, and I looked her up and Susan Lucci is this actress that was nominated for a daytime Emmy for her work on a soap opera 18 times. She won on her 19th time. And I tell this to everybody who is kind of interested in what I do. Literally look up that video of Susan Lucci winning. And the outstanding diva is... The streak is over, Susan Lucci! It's just the most incredible video. And it's from like 1999. And everyone raises to their feet in applause and people are screaming and she's like, (laughs) and it's so amazing. And I think if, and when Paloma does win, it'll, it'll be a little bit like that. If she wins, I don't know if she will. Mm, Time will tell. Academy will speak. I mean, I think my favorite part about the Paloma cinematic universe is just how much people love her because it sounds like people have also been adding to the lore themselves, like your friend saying like, oh, she's like a Susan Lucci, got it, got it, got it. I mean, I think in a weird way, you've created Paloma as this vessel for people to kind of project all of their feelings, love, hate desire for Hollywood. And I kind of love the way it's become this collaboration between you and viewers and followers. I mean, what has been like your favorite response to the whole Paloma universe of it all? Paloma, she is the protagonist, I Mm -hmm. think. But at the same time, I also like it when people deviate away from that. Mm. And I actually don't mind it. I I love it when people are actually anti-Paloma. I don't mind it at all. I love it when people are like, I'm sorry that Breeze was not her best work. 
It just wasn't. Okay. Yeah. She does not deserve it. You know, I love that. I, I think it's great. It gives an opportunity for people to be really creative. You know, I love the kind of the feud with Paloma and Lorelai. You know, yes. Lorelai's a little bit salty because she got La La Landed last year. Mm-hmm. So of course she's going to be salty. Of course she's going to have like some sass in her. My favorite part about this would be, you know, people actually writing in their own storylines and writing in like, oh, I thought Paloma, she didn't really do a good job at, at, you know, in Breathe, but the, when she did the the humps of my heart, that was the, (laughs) that was the most cinematic piece. I, I still get goosebumps just thinking about it. I love the, to the extent that people will go to add to this lore, to enrich this non-existent universe that I've created. I think that is probably why Paloma has hit the way that she has, which is that, you know, on top of that beautiful confluence of timing, which is you posting this like two days before the Oscars, I think people on the internet, we see so much trash every day that there is something nice about rooting for one common thing or even hating one common thing. That's how I got to know my roommates. And so I was wondering, you know, there are some eyes on Paloma now. You know, Cetaphil, the lotion brand, commented on that first video. The Oscars commented on that first video saying, nailed it, heart emoji. And so I wanted to ask, do you ever feel pressure to keep posting Paloma content? Like, how do you think of the next thing? Do you schedule it out or time it? Or does it just kind of like come to you? I think this award season is going to be like the the next few weeks for me are probably going to be like a busy time for me, prime time for me, content wise, just because of the Oscars that are coming up. And I really am probably going to hype it up quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Like there'll be a lot of videos before the final Oscar one, mm-hmm. just because that's what people want. And it's just a way to hype it up. Yeah. Okay, let's take a short break, but when we come back, I'm going to play a little Oscars prediction game with Julian, and he will tell us if Paloma Diamond has a shot this year. Hey, I'm journalist Sam Sanders. I'm poet Saeed Jones. And I'm producer Zach Stafford, and we are the hosts of a podcast called Vibe Check. On Vibe Check, we talk about everything. News, culture, and entertainment— And how it all feels. That's right. We talk about any and everything on our show from real life issues like grief to music and movie critiques. And that barely scratches the surface. Yes, indeed. And it doesn't stop there. We have got a lot to say. So join our group chat. Come to life. Follow and listen to Vibe Check wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. I think let's get into it. You are kind of an insider, a purveyor of the industry. I think we should talk about this year's Oscar nominations. Would you be down to play like a little predictions game with me? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Let's do this. Starting with actress in a supporting role. We have Emily Blunt, Danielle Brooks, America Ferreira, Jodie Foster, Davine, Joy Randolph, Julian. What do you think about these nominees? Who do you think will win? It's a really, it's a really good question. I am tossing up between American Ferrera mm-hmm. and Danielle Brooks because okay. I saw The Color Purple and that was phenomenal from her end. I, but I also loved, I love American Ferrera and I love that monologue that she did with Barbie. I think that was one of the best parts of the whole movie. Next category, actor in a supporting role. We have Sterling K. Brown, Robert De Niro, Robert Downey Jr., Ryan Gosling, Mark Ruffalo. 
What do you think? Do you know what? This is going to sound terrible, but I, I have only seen Barbie out of all of those <laughs> movies. So I can't say it. I don't know. I, 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 don't, I can't say it. Actor in a leading category. Bradley Cooper. Coleman Domingo. Paul Giamatti. Killian Murphy. Jeffrey Wright. I think everyone knows that Bradley wants it. He wants it, right? I mean, did Killian win for like the Golden Globes? Did he win then? He did for it'll probably it'll Robert. probably be him. It'll probably yeah. be. I mean, like I know that Oppenheimer is up for like so many, and it's and that makes it very boring. But at the same <laughs> time, like I mean, it'll probably go to him. Um, yeah. I love Coleman Domingo though, just like yeah. as an actor, I really love him. So last category, I'd say maybe the biggest category relevant to this conversation, which is. Actress in a leading role. We have Annette Benning, Lily Gladstone, Sandra Huller, Carrie Mulligan, Emma Stone. It will be Lily Gladstone. I agree. Not because like like she won for her like Golden Globes or anything like that, but just because it's just so nice to have like I think she would be the first indigenous woman, correct me if I'm wrong, to win Best Actress. Like, that's incredible, and it should be celebrated. And I don't know if you watched, I mean, I, I watched um, a thing on YouTube the other day. When she won the, the Golden Globe, she stood up and she spoke in Blackfeet. There was a video that I watched on YouTube, which was a whole community of indigenous Blackfeet people, like her actual like community that she's from watching her win. And they're like, and the winner is Lily Gladstone. And they all get up on the all applause and she starts speaking in the native language and they start crying and they like put their hands on their heart. Like there was a real sense of connection. I think all of these feats are so, so special, especially because Hollywood's a very interesting industry. And like, I'm, I'm taking the piss out of best actresses and, and all of that stuff. And I know that I am. I'm, to- I'm totally contradicting myself with this. But <laughs> they are like really, really special moments if you think about it. Halle Berry, when oh, she won for yes, Monsters Ball. For Monsters Ball. She broke down. She, yeah. and it was so, like, she was so, so emotional. But that's because a few years prior, she played Dorothy Dandridge. And Dorothy Dandridge was like, I think the first African-American to be nominated for a best actress. And she plays her like in the, in the audience as some other white actress wins the award. In 2002, when she eventually won, of course it's going to be emotional because she literally stands on the stage and she goes, This moment is so much bigger than me. This moment is for Dorothy Dandridge. Um, so I, I'm, I'm loving that, you know, finally we're getting this representation of, you know, people from different ethnicities, nationalities. I'm loving that we, we get to see that in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I honestly really appreciate kind of you acknowledging that like half of you kind of takes the piss out of, you know, the best actress category. But I actually have always kind of read your TikToks as a form of studiousness and like kind of love for those moments of magic that do occur in this like crazy, horrible, truly devastating industry. But like 
the Oscars and the Emmys, they do have these moments, these Susan Lucci's, these Halle Berry's that kind of make you go, okay, I think I know what this is for. Like, I think I know why we all watch this and congregate around it. The Oscars, I mean, at least what we see this year, kind of predictable, but sometimes you have these moments that kind of like erupt. And with that being said, Paloma Diamond is back this year. (laughs) Paloma Diamond is back for her 19th nomination for Breathe. And Lorelai Lynch is also nominated for The Unstoppable. And now the nominees for Best Actress in a Leading Role will be announced. Sasha Alexander, Picture of the Soul. Michelle Bradley Spencer, Scorpio Hunter. Daphne Cordeson, A Walk Along Jupiter Bay. Paloma Diamond, Breathe. Lorelai Lynch, The Unstoppable. Congratulations to all nominees. I know you cannot say much. But do you have any predictions of, like, who you want to win? Who you think should win? Will Paloma finally get her day in the sun? I mean, I want her to win, but I don't know if she will. I genuinely don't know. I'm still deciding whether or not she should. Do I give the people what they want or do I leave them hanging? But um, I tell you this, that if and when Paloma does win, it will be a Susan Lucci moment. Mm Mm-hmm. By the way... Have any celebrities reached out to you or maybe like former Best Actress nominees? Nick Jonas like (laughs) followed me on TikTok, but that was before the Oscar stuff. So that was quite a while ago. Snooki commented on some of the America's Next Top Model videos that I did and actually former winners and contestants of the show commented on those jennifer aniston and aubrey plaza liked the original video on instagram but it was reposted on another instagram page it was like good old movies or something and if you look down below like on the you know it's Mm -hmm. who liked it it was like jennifer aniston and aubrey plaza liked this video and i was sitting at work and i have like a friend's mug like with the with the, (laughs) with the cast of friends on it yeah and i was i was at work at the time and i looked down and i was like so that was pretty special oh i love this okay so before we go i wanted to ask you a few rapid fire questions about your life on the internet and so let me start here what was the first fandom you joined and where did you find them I was a huge fan of the show Grey's Anatomy, but in its prime time. For me, definitely, like, I was a huge fan of that show and would watch YouTube, Tumblr, you know, in my high school years. That was what I, yeah, I was a huge fan of that show. I love that. And do you have any personal rules for engaging online? Like, do you have boundaries of like when you look at the comments how do you choose who to like fight and who to ignore if you get kind of like mean stuff how do you deal with all of that i have a lot of wigs right and i have a Mm -hmm. lot of dresses and i like to dress up and i put on costume and everything there are a small minutia of people that are like this man is making a mockery of women and this man uh clearly is a misogynist for doing so and because blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, so then I guess all drag queens are misogynists, you know? So <laughs> so it's just like stuff like that I just ignore because most people 
get it and they find it funny and they think it's silly and it's cute and it's, you know, so I tend to just ignore things like that. I do have rules. I I learned pretty early on that I can't be too political. Mm. And what I mean by that is... I think if you want to be and you want to have a platform, that's fine. That I, I you, you absolutely should, but you should you should do that on a separate account. Mm. I think when when people follow you, they po- they follow you for what you post. So unless you're a political commentator or an activist or whatever, if you are a beauty content creator, stick to beauty. Stick to stick to what your your people follow you for. And it's very controversial, and I know that a lot of people disagree with me here, but I think that. As soon as you become well-known for a particular kind of genre, whether that be fashion, lifestyle, comedy, that's what your followers, you know, that's what they follow you for. And as soon as you become political on that, you will lose people that don't agree with you. And if you want to be political and if you want to have an opinion on something, you absolutely should and you absolutely can, but it can't be on that platform. It has to be on something else. It, it, it's it just for me personally, like it's just a way to kind of keep everyone at peace. You are in an interesting position because you are not only on the front lines of TikTok putting Paloma out there, but you are also a school teacher. And so you interact with kids, the younger generation on the day to day. Some of them are possibly your viewers. I wanted to ask, what gives you hope about the next generation on and offline? Like, what do you think they are doing well? I think I I really value the call-out culture, not the cancel culture, the call-out culture. And when I teach my students, you know, they're very smart themselves. And sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like I'm not teaching them. I'm really just having a conversation with them. I, I think all teachers really are not so much lecturers or uh, dictatorial. Really good teachers are just facilitators of learning. And I think the best kind of conversations that I have with people of that generation are just conversations. And actually that's where the learning happens. It's not from telling them what to think or dictating what they should think or how they should think. It's actually just having a conversation. Have your kids talked to you at all about your TikToks? Like, do they love it? Do they ever like comment or even like kind of poke that hole a little bit? Yeah, they do. I have boundaries though. Like at the beginning yeah. of the year, I'll, I will say, you might know me from TikTok. This is because I have a TikTok and I have an Instagram and I have a social media following. But when we are in the classroom, I am not a TikTok star. I'm mm-hmm. your teacher. So we talk about your learning. We talk about stuff that's going on. However, if we are outside of class and you want to talk to me about TikTok, you absolutely can. So it's just about like, like right in this room, I'm not a, I'm not a famous person Yeah. in this room. We're just, I'm a teacher and you're a student, but when we're outside of the classroom, absolutely. If you want to come and ask me about like comedy and, and what I do and, and what I post, you absolutely can, but it's just, it's a, like a time and a place kind of thing. Okay, that's the show. I want to thank Julian Sewell for joining me on today's episode. You can follow him on TikTok at Julian Sewell. We'll be back in your feed on Wednesday, so definitely subscribe. That way you never miss an episode. Leave us a rating and a review, an Apple or Spotify, and tell your friends about us. 
You can follow us on Twitter at ICYMI underscore pod. And you can always drop us a note at ICYMI at slate.com. ICYMI is produced by Sierra Spragley-Ricks, Rachel Hampton, and me, Candice Lim. Daisy Rosario is our senior supervising producer. And Alicia Montgomery is Slate's vice president of audio. See you online or at the Oscars.